In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. This is D. Orlando Ledbetter of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution here with the 261st episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. Everything you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. We're going to title this episode the Falcons Draft Wrap-Up. Going to go over the picks. We're going to look at the undrafted players. Going to look at Georgia's 12 non-draftees and four non-draftees and three free agent signees. And Georgia Tech's four players, two draftees and two signees. And then we're going to go to uh, our fifth section of the podcast this week. And we're going to call that the Julio Jones Watch. So, hey, y'all know all the draft and Julio kind of went together, so we got to deal with it today. But the first pick in the draft for the Atlanta Falcons was Kyle Pitts. He was selected fourth overall, the highest tight end ever selected in the 86 NFL drafts. They call it the 86 selection meeting. The highest was uh, Riley Odoms, a tight end out of the University of Houston who went to the Denver Broncos. So let's hear from the first-round pick, Kyle Pitts. To be the highest drafted tight end ever in the league on the 86th uh, draft of the NFL. I'm definitely humbled in it. It's a, it's a dream come sure to even get drafted. And to be top five, that's, that's something special. And the first tight end ever. I mean, I'm not putting it in words. I'm just maybe with joy. Um, I can't even put it in words how excited I am. And um, what do you know about the Falcons? We had talked to you after your pro day, and uh, how do you think you could fit in? And uh, you know, and your inline blocking. We uh, those are some of the issues you talked about at your pro day. Uh, I know it's a lot of it's a lot of vets and great minds on that around that team, so. I mean, in that building. So to just learn from Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, uh, really the, the list goes on. But to be able to come in and make an impact or something, I'm going to have to do that. Blocking-wise, I, I feel like I'll be ready. I'll be ready for when the day comes. And first day, first day of camp, I'll be ready. I know Coach Smith does a great job of getting his tight ends fed. So, you know, I'm, I'm eager to see how he uh, wins. That was Kyle Pitts in his opening press conference with the Atlanta media. This is a day later. Uh, yeah, good morning, Kyle. Just um, a couple things. Dear Orlando Ledbetter from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And uh, that was the one that liked your bow tie, so I got, got mine on for you today. Um, hey, just uh, from back in high school when you were playing quarterback, how did, did any of that help you in the passing game when you moved over to receiver? I know you played some, some D-line, too. Uh, I don't know. I, I kind of didn't like playing quarterbacks. So, but I did kind of get a feel for it and realize uh, how they think and how they read coverage. So it kind of helped me, you know, realizing uh, what I can do in certain coverage, like I said. So, um, I mean, to answer the question, yeah, it kind of helped. 
Hey, and then another thing that, um, you know, uh, Coach Mullen talked to us about, he said uh, early on as a, uh, I guess it would have been a freshman, you uh, used to work out with the receivers, and that really helped your route running. Uh, could you back that story up and tell us a little bit about it? 109 tackles over 13 starts. He continued to develop over his career. So Richie Grant went second. Third round, Jalen Mayfield, offensive guard tackle out of Michigan. Uh, Grand Rapids Central Catholic. Hey, the word is he had first round, he has first round talent, but his Zoom interviews were so uh, whack. That he dropped to the third. I don't know what happened on his Zoom interviews. He probably got, you know, probably didn't like the question. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, they might have got a steal here with a first round guy in the third because uh, uh, of Zoom interviews. So we'll follow that one and dig a little bit on that one. But we uh, we hear he's got a higher ceiling at guard. But, I mean, you know, right tackle's been a problem with McGarry. And so the new regime, it, you know, they don't have to, you know, be tied to him because they drafted him. Uh, so, you know, can he beat out McGarry or does he slide to left guard? You know, they got two options to where to go with him. He'll be uh, O-line number one out of this draft. We got an O-line number two coming up. So on day three, so that was boom, the first two days of the draft. And I remember the good old one-day drafts when it was just one Saturday. <laughs> you got it all done. But now it's for TV. It's a big hit. 
They outdrew the Oscars by $2 million on the first night. Cleveland looked good with the Lake uh, Erie in the background there. So it's a whole big thing now. Uh, but uh, going to Vegas next year, that's going to be uh, another show. For the fans that attend, you know, the media, we need to stay here and work. But Pitts, Richie Grant, Jalen Mayfield. Day three, Darren Hall. I liked him, but I liked Casey too. And they gave Casey his number. So, And I saw one of his slot blitzes where he just blew the quarterback up. And, you know, that's always a good thing for the old D-backs. Uh, Drew Dahlman, the center. Out of Stanford, he was uh, the son of Chris Dahlman, a uh, former uh, you know, lineman with the 49ers and assistant head coach with the Fa- assistant offensive line coach with the Falcons during the Jim Mora era. So he was with Alex Gibbs, and you know, we didn't talk to the to the to the lineman back then. That wasn't a that was Alex stupid Alex Gibbs rule. Uh, I'm glad I didn't take hold. So we can talk to the lineman again, and then uh, uh, Trey. Quan Graham, defensive end, Texas. Then Adite Kumbo Agundier, defensive end from Notre Dame. Fifth round, Avery Williams, cornerback, kickoff returner. Coach Arthur Smith said he's going to play, maybe even play some offense. He, he kept saying everybody's versatile. Nobody has a position. Uh, this guy, he's a safe. He, Richie Garrett said he was a free safety. I think he got in trouble because they're like, oh, no, he's – Coach Dean Pease doesn't call him a safety. He doesn't make him a strong or a free or a box. You know, we just move him around as he fit. So, whatever. Um, but we're going to call him a free safety since he said he was one. Uh, and, and with Avery, so they look at him on offense. So, that's got to be running back or receiver because he wasn't that good of a cornerback on the report draft reports we have. And then the last guy, Frank Darby, the um, – Wide receiver from Arizona State. He was hyped. Um, coming out of Arizona State, they had Nikhil uh, Harry the last couple years. Go to the Patriots in the first round. And then Brandon Ayuk uh, go in the first round. So, Darby might have been a steal. It was supposed to be his year out there in the uh, Valley of the Sun. And, uh, you know, the, the, the pandemic and so forth. They, he didn't get to do his thing. So, he's a deep ball guy. I think he fits in. With uh, where uh, Alameda Zacchaeus was running those deep routes, and uh, maybe with Gage in the slot, you know. So Frank Darby is in the building with the Atlanta Falcons, sixth six round pick out of Arizona State. Here is Frank Darby. I'm excited where you get the call today from the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, I was super excited, you know. I can't even explain, like. But the emotion that was going through my body at the time, it was just like I was on the phone. They tell me, like, you want to be a Falcon? I'm like, yeah, I want to be a Falcon. That's it. I got the red on. Like, you know. <laughs> like, it was just something, you know. So, you know, that was just like, it was just, I was just excited, you know. I've been waiting all day, you know, just trying to sit here. You know, you hear from so many teams. My phone call rang one time before. And it wasn't even the like, It was just a person just talking to me. I was just like, no, not now.
that's one thing. You know, me coming behind them, like, I felt like my last year, I couldn't show how much better I had gotten from 2019 season. So, me coming out of land now, I just feel like, I feel like I probably was the best still ever. This, you know, I feel like I was the best still ever this draft because I got so much better. You know, I learned from the kill, learned from IU, and you see what IU doing. That just came here. So, me, I'm just going out there and showing them that I can play. You know, I can play right away if y'all let me. I can play special teams. I can do everything, you know? And I'm just excited. <laughs> All right, that was Frank Darby. He's excited to be here. Got a good story there. Now the undrafted players, the Falcons. Uh, the key ones are quarterback Felipe Franks and running backs Caleb Huntley and Tavion Hawkins out of Louisville. I like Huntley because he's a bigger back at 229. I think he could back up. You know, perfect world. He's good in pass protection. He could back up Mike Davis. A very productive back, 576 in carries, 2902 career yards. And uh, if you stay up on Wednesday and watch the Mac, uh, you've seen him do his thing. Tavion Hawkins out of Louisville, 59182. Uh, didn't do much last year, but the year before ran for one uh, 1,500 yards. So, you know, he's uh, productive even though. Uh, that's like looks like a third down back to me at uh, 182, and we have we have Franks uh, as our tenth rated quarterback uh, after playing uh, in in our uh, top ten position by position series. He was number ten, and we said after playing for Florida and losing his job after an ankle injury in 2019, he transferred to Arkansas as a graduate student. He started nine games for the Razorbacks and completed 163 of 238 passes for 2,107 yards, 17 touchdowns, and four interceptions. So he's a big, uh, big guy, 6'6", 228. Uh, decent arm. Uh, had some decision-making issues at Florida, but... Uh, Definitely signed undrafted with the Falcons. Our ninth-rated quarterback was Jamie Newman. He was also um, uh, undrafted. So he his gamble to sit out there and work out for him. But so for Georgia, Jamie went to the Eagles. Went to the Eagles. So for Georgia, they had uh, nine players drafted and three uh, free agent signings. And they said the nine... Players drafted was a school record in the 7th round and 12th round drafts. Y'all know the old drafts used to go 17, you know, uh, they used to go way, way past 12 and 17, 19. You know, we can go do a draft history deal one day and look up, you know, how the draft went from, you know, 30 rounds to 7. But anyway, here we go. Um, Eric Stokes, cornerback. In the first round of Green Bay, Tyson Campbell, cornerback, Jacksonville in the second round. Aziz Ojolare, who's projected to be the top Bulldog taken. He was actually the third. He went to the Giants uh, in the second round. And then they had a run on Bulldogs in the third. Monty Rice went to the Titans. Big Ben Cleveland to Coors Finest. Went to the Ravens. Gotta get a big guy loved. I could run a four eight five man and took his shirt off. So uh Big Ben uh would be in Green Bay in uh Baltimore trying to hold it down for Lamar and the fellas. 
And then Trey McKitty went to the Chargers at three in the third round. So trying to get a weapon for Justin Herbert. And then I thought, you know, I knew the Falcons had to take a safety. And I knew they can get him. Uh, and this is about right where I had LeCount coming to the Falcons at in the fifth. But he went to the Browns. Uh, after they took Grant, I'm pretty sure um, he was off the board for them. And some people, I had Trey Hill as he was the number one center last year when we did the top ten position by position. So coming into this season, he was supposed to be, you know, we were looking for him to do big things and dominate in the uh, SEC and really improve his draft stock, kind of like the uh, LSU center from two years ago. But he didn't do it. He went six to the Bengals. They need help, so he might can help them. Uh, Mark Webb. Cornerback winning the seventh round to the Chargers. So those are the nine drafted Bulldogs. And then uh, DJ Daniel, went to cornerback, went to Jacksonville. Malik Herring, he's coming up for injury, uh, went to Kansas City. And then Tyler Simmons was signed earlier, wide receiver to the Steelers. So that's how our guy Chip Towers is counting 12 Bulldogs getting their shot. Of course, Jamie Newman was the one that wasn't. And then I think in our draft series, I wrote this from uh, Gil Brent said, hey, yeah, he got down at Wake Forest. People wanted to see what he could do at Georgia against better competition. And then, you know, we don't, you know, they don't know if somebody got in his ear and said, hey, you know, you don't want to mess up your draft status. They don't know, hey, he was losing the job to Mathis. Uh, so it was a lot of mystery around uh, his uh, pulling out, and the NFL teams weren't taking too kindly to, to, to some of these opt-outs, and his was one of the shadier ones three and a half weeks before the season started. All right, but, you know, they, you know, we don't know what his health situation is, his family situation, so you give him the benefit of the doubt. But it wasn't like people weren't talking about it. Now, Georgia Tech, uh, the punter was so much fun to watch. He's going to the Steelers. Uh, Jalen Camp is going to the Jaguars in Jacksonville. And then David Curry, buddy son. The old Falcon fans know Buddy Curry. And he's been down around town doing a lot of community work, a lot of um, teaching at football camps and stuff by heads up tackling everything. But uh, David is going to the Broncos. Uh, and then Jalen Askew, cornerback, is going to Miami. So that's uh, that's pretty good haul, even though at Georgia Tech, I, I, I knew Harvard was going to get drafted. And um, good to see these other young men get some opportunities uh, in the league. So, And then if you want to see the whole undrafted list, I mean, it's the undrafted list. It's on the um, AJC.com. We'll work on some bios here, just trying to down wind down from the draft. Now, lastly... The Julio Jones watch. Y'all heard it. Uh, the general manager saying, hey, uh, we got to look at all our options. Our situation's fluid. So all their options include, hey, if they would have renegotiated, they would have did it by now. If they were going to extend him, they would have done that by now. You don't want to extend the 32-year-old wide receiver. Uh, you know, do Julio take a pay cut? No, nah, he's probably not going to want to do that. So, what you're left with, you can't really cut them, but you can do a post-June 1 trade designation. And so, I don't know, we're in May now, so that's not that far away. And uh, the salary cap situation would um, improve drastically. You would get uh, roughly 
16 million out of that. His uh, cap hit would be seven this year, and then 15.3 next year when the cap goes up. Uh, but yeah, that would definitely be an end of an era if they can't work this out to the um, to the matter of both sides. And uh, you know, when the coach, when the team's out talking openly like that, all all options are available. That means one foot is pretty much out the door. So we'll keep track of that as we stay on the Julio watch. It's also been brought to our attention that all the Brotherhood signs at the facilities have been taken down. There's no more Brotherhood. That also, the number one issue for the new coaching staff coming in is they got to protect Matt Ryan. Well, that's, that's what I've been preaching about all year. If they don't protect Matt Ryan, they're not going anywhere. And, and Arthur Blank, Arthur Smith, Kind of tipped that off here recently when he said we're not going. We're, first thing we're gonna do, we're gonna go as far as the offensive line goes. So they know it. That's why they drafted um, Mayfield and Dalman. They're gonna compete with Hennessy and Caleb McGarry uh, indirectly or directly. Matt Gano is gonna be in the mix. Josh Andrews is gonna be in the mix. And they said, hey, they're gonna take the best five players. So we need to look at them offensive linemen uh, that were undrafted too. Sometimes, you know, you can find one late. And they might have done. They might have been trying to do it. So another issue was Julio not practicing. And so they were like watching a film trying to go, well, where's Julio at? He's not practicing. Where's Julio at? He's not practicing. They didn't know about Uncle Smitty, Mike Smitty's, the 30 and over club. So, Julio's one of the last remnants of that. You know, when you got to be over 30 with uh, Coach Smitty, you might didn't practice on Tuesday. might didn't practice on Wednesday. You might just went on Thursday. Or you might have went on Wednesday and then uh, on Thursday have a day off. And But then Julio with his foot and everything, you know, they have been real careful with him throughout his career. But the new staff was like, hey, you know, we can't have time in the passing game if you're not practicing. So um, that's an issue. But what happened, this goes all the way back to Coach Smitty and then to uh, Coach Mike Smitty and then coaxing Tony Gonzalez out of retirement, basically telling him he doesn't have to practice. And so, you know, Roddy saw that. When Roddy got older, you know, he started taking his days off. And then, you know, Julio was, comes in, and he knows it. And, you know, he's like, I don't need to do nothing out here. I'll see y'all on Sundays. And so, you know, that doesn't really go over well with the uh, with, with, with any coach, really, or, um, or uh, you know, the other players. But Coach Smith did an exception for Tony that needed to stop right there. But it's spreading. It's still here. And, um, you know, that's one of the things. So we'll see um, what happens here in the next couple of weeks with uh, Julio. But I understand that the Julio not practicing, they didn't like that. But they didn't know nothing about the Smitty Club. Um, and the Brotherhood signs are going down. And, hey, you got to protect Matt Ryan. So they do know that. So that's it for this episode of the Bowtie Chronicles podcast. We had Kyle Pitts by and some Frank Darby. We're going to be talking to some Falcon coaches later today. I think we got Justin Peel. Uh, good to talk to him again. He was always gracious when he was here as a player for the tight end. 
And then we got uh, the Wayne Ledford. He, I heard he was throwing stuff all around in the meeting rooms after they drafted linemen. It's what they say about they, he's D led too, so it's going to be D led and D led uh, on that call. And then uh, we've got uh, Coach Hoke, uh, John Hoke, Brady Hoke. So I got I think they're brothers, but we'll get that together before we talk to him. So he's going to give us the. I want to know what they were looking for at safety to where they, you know. They need more rangy safeties or more hidden safeties because they got rid of all of Dan Quinn's safeties and he scooped them up and took them to Dallas. But uh, I want to know what Deron Harmon and Eric Harris do that they like so much. And then uh, what's the plight of the cornerbacks? What's Isaiah Oliver and Kendall Sheffield? They're going to probably say, oh, they can play inside, outside, inside, outside. But they didn't look good outside last year. So maybe uh, they both did. Uh, well, I thought. Oliver did good at nickel, but you could put the, I don't know if he can cover the little bitty fast guys, but they'll figure it out. So, yeah, we want to hear from him, the master plan for the secondary. So that's Justin Peel, the tight ends coach for Kyle Pitts. Then we got um, Dwayne Ledford, the O-line coach. Hey, he's got the number one job in the organization right now is to save Matt Ryan, save Private Ryan. Then number three, Hoke, secondary coach. What's the master plan? Y'all gave up 293.6 yards a game last year. Last in the league. So he's got to have a plan to fix that. Or they're going nowhere in 2021. So with that, we're out. Take care and have a great rest of the week. Hip-hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop story. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.